You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So last week we started this series called Declutter. And the whole premise, the whole premise of the series had to do with this. Instead of us adding more to our already busy schedules with New Year's resolutions and all the things that we add, a new diet, a new uh, uh, eating plan or a new uh, leadership plan or or financial, all these different things, instead of us adding to an already busy schedule, why don't we instead take away? Instead of us adding to our already full plates, why don't we instead take away from the busyness that we have? And and I I launched the series with uh, the first message, which is so foundational, it's so fundamental to moving forward. And that that foundational uh, message was that uh, uh, we need to declutter our past. You see, none of us can move forward if we're stuck in the past. It could be our past failures. We might have done thing in the, things in the past that, that we're not happy with what we did. And, and those, those, those things that we, that we did or that we were uh, a part of uh, are hindering our present and they're really darkening our future because you identify yourself with who you were instead of who you are now in Christ. And so those past mistakes, they plague you and, and you can't move forward. And just as dangerous is for us to, to identify ourselves with our past success and measure ourselves with what we did in the past and saying, oh, in the 70s, it was so good because this happened. And in the 80s, it was so good because this happened. Or maybe you're stuck in the 50s, and in the 50s, something happened, and you're saying, and and that was wonderful, but now things aren't happening. And you diminish the ability of God because God is good in every season of life. The video that we saw portrays that in truth and that there was a man that came and from the womb God called him to lead people to not identify themselves with the color of their skin and he said I have a dream and the dream is that white folk and black folk and red folk and all kinds of different folks will be able to come together and love each other not because of their color but because they were created by God Almighty. And so that was a great season. And before Martin Luther King Jr. did that great, uh, that great uh, uh, accomplishment that he did, and, and he stood with people like Rosa Parks, and, and, and I just love history and how it tells us that there are always people that, that God will raise up to do the things that are courageous, that are going to help not only God's people, but they're going to help humanity. You see, Martin Luther King Jr. didn't only help God's people as he was a Christian and a pastor, but he, helps, he helped the world become a better place. And before Martin Luther King Jr., there was another man who was named Martin Luther. And he grew up in the 1500s. And he stood his ground and he said, I am going to, to preach and teach in the vernacular. I'm going to teach and preach in the, in the common language of the people so that people can understand what I'm saying because when they went to church at that time, everyone spoke in, in Latin. And even if you were German or you were English, you heard the, the church service in Latin. And Martin Luther said, I'm going to go outside the box because I think that probably God would want people to hear his word spoken in a, word, in a language that they can understand. And so Martin Luther went against the grain. And he began to teach and preach in the common language of the people in Germany. 
And there were a lot of practices that were happening in the church at that time that were against. And they were anti-Bible. They were not, they were not going along the lines of the scriptures. And so this guy named Martin Luther, he put up this paper, this protest. It was called the 95 Thesis. And he put it up on the, on the, wall, on the, on the door of his church there in Wittenberg. And, and, and he stood his ground against the forces that be. Because he wanted individuals to be able to establish a relationship with God Almighty without the obstacles of religion. And we are a product of that stance of this great man, Martin Luther. Because now we meet together in these churches that are called sometimes Protestant. All it means is that there was a protest that said we're going to do things God's way and not man's way. And that's exactly what Martin Luther King Jr. did. Said, he said, I am not going to succumb myself to the ways that are, at, that are against the God and the relationship that people can have with God. I'm actually going to take a stand, and I'm going to say that Rosa Parks doesn't have to sit in the back of the bus. She can sit in the, in the front of the bus. She can sit in the middle of the bus. She can sit with someone because she is loved by God Almighty. She was created in the image of God. And so in every, in every generation, God raises up his people to make a difference. And I'm saying that because it's so important for us not to get stuck. It's, not, it's important that you don't get stuck in your past mistakes. Because if you're a child of God, if you're in Christ, the old has come. I mean, the old is gone. The new has come. You are a new creation in Christ. And you don't have to uh, wallow in your past, but you also don't have to keep celebrating your past successes because it's a new day and a new opportunity for God to move in your life today. So that was message number one. But it helps us to go into message number two. And message number two is that we have to declutter our relationships. Because all of us, all of us, from birth, were birthed into relationships. In fact, when a baby is, comes out of the womb... That baby is birthed right into a relationship, and that baby longs, it longs for its livelihood, for his or her livelihood, to go and find her mother or his mother and to go to the, the source of life, which is her breast. The life is in her breast, and, and that baby begins to get the nutrients that, that it needs to live. But not only is that happening, there's a bonding that takes place in this beautiful beautiful design that God has made, this relationship begins to occur. And this, this nutrients of, of, of milk, you know, now we have formula. But, but the very beginning, you know, there was, there was a, the, the, the relational part of, of birth that occurred. And from that time, you find out that you are in relationship. You have a father and you have a, you have, I mean, you have a mother. And then you, you, it, it even moves into you have a father. And, 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 and God intended for you to grow in this relationship. And that, and that you, your, your father and your mother, that they love you and they provide for you. They take care of you. And they esteem you highly. They encourage you. They strengthen you. And then we find... That Jesus comes on the scene and he teaches us the importance of relationship because everybody in that day would call on God. And they call on God as an impersonal entity and they would say, God Almighty, help us. Or the Lord God, help us. And Jesus comes and then they, the, his, his closest relationships, his disciples, they ask him a question and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And in that prayer, we find that God is relational because Jesus says, when you pray, pray this way. He said, pray our Father. And he goes into this whole different dimension that we can have a relationship with God. We don't call on him as God. We call on him as Father. As one who provides for us and takes care of us and, and, and leads us and directs us in the right way. And provides peace. 
comfort and encouragement. Everything that we desire in a relationship is provided by God Almighty. And Jesus teaches us that. And then he's a father. And the, we find that the Godhead is father and the son. So they're in relationship. And the Holy Spirit. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's one God and, and three persons. And we find that there's a relationship there. But then we take a step back to the realities of this life that we live in, this world that we're birthed into. And we find in our life that relationships can be really good, and yet relationships can be really bad. We find that relationships can be very nourishing, and yet there's relationships that can be very hurtful. We find that in our relationships, we begin to pile maybe one bad experience with another bad experience. And sometimes it seems like if our bad experiences begin to take over the good experiences in our relationships and we begin to look at everyone like if it's a clutter And if I had a closet, if someone would be doing stage design, I would have a closet right here, and I would, no, no pressure, I'm just saying if I had a closet, I would, have a, I, I would be able to put an illustration where there would be clothes that would be hung up in this closet. And what you begin to process is that these garments begin to be one bad garment after another bad garment because it's could be a bad relationship after another bad relationship. And before you know it, you can't see the good relationship because of the, the bad. And that could be friendships. That could be family. That could be work. But you begin to identify that your relationship closet is cluttered. Your relational garage is so full of stuff that it's dangerous. And you can't find the path to get from your garage into, in through the door. And I'm not talking about anybody's house. If that's your house, you know, that's between you and God. But you get into that closet, you can't, you think about it. I mean, that garage, you can't walk. You cannot maneuver, identify a path to get into this door to get you into the house where there's safety and refuge and warmth in the, in the winter and coolness in the summer. And, and it, it's not a good place to be. And that's exactly how our lives begin to happen with relationships. But here's the good news. The good news is that everything that we deal with in life, God has given us a directive and direction through his word. You see, there's nothing that I face in my life, nothing that God doesn't teach me and direct me for his good purpose in his word. Ain't that awesome? Because he's relational with me. He's relational with you. There is nothing that you face. There's, there's no dark area in your life. There's, there's nothing that we will face that the goodness of God will not direct us through. And he cares about us because he's relational. So as we go through this message, there's four words that stood out to me. There's four words that if, if these are a part of any of our relationships, we need to find time to declutter that relationship because we're headed into a place of disaster. We're headed into a place of hardship. We're headed into a place of breaking. And I'm not saying that if you get there, that God's not going to guide you through that as well. But he gives us some directions so that we don't have to come to those places, that we can take a step back before we get to that place, that we can actually begin to take the clutter out of our lives, out of our relational life, and be able to see things from his perspective. Are you with me? I just believe that this word will speak to everybody in here. So we're going to go to Hebrews, and that's relational too, because not only the Hebrew, but Hebrews. Boy, I went way over your heads. 
We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12, and, and from that passage, uh, God's going to show us uh, four different things that are, are really going to be helpful in identifying um, uh, a relationship that needs to be decluttered. Let me pray. Father, thank you for uh, everybody in this second service. And thank you for you. Thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that our encounter with you is based on love. That leads us into relationship. I just pray that as we expose your word this morning that it will expose things in our in our life that need to be brought to the light that we can brought be brought into freedom from maybe a relationship of bondage maybe a relationship that's hurtful maybe a relationship that is hindering us from being everything we can be with you so i just ask your dir- direction on me as your spokesperson Holy Spirit, give me everything I need to make a difference for the glory of Jesus today. We all pray this in his name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, let me just kind of lay the foundation. Um, in chapter 11, uh, the writer of Hebrews is talking about all these champions of faith, and he, he, he talks about all these different people and what they accomplished by believing that God is bigger than their circumstance. And they did, they did great things for God. But as you identify each one of them and you look closer, you find that every one of them is, was full of problems. Every one of them had fallen in some area. They had all uh, uh, missed the mark in, in a lot of ways. And it speaks to me because it tells us that these champions of faith were just like us. That they were full of problems, they were full of situations, they were full of circumstances, and sometimes they made the wrong choices. And yet God, because of his goodness, he was faithful to them and allowed for them to accomplish things that they could never do on their own. And it gives us hope because God can accomplish things through us and in us that we can't do on our own despite ourselves, despite our past, God is still great. And so uh, the writer says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, or let us think about it this way. Let us declutter everything that's, that's cluttering our lives. Let us, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially. Now, there's two things, okay? Let us strip those, those things that are slowing us down, especially another thing, the sin that so easily trips us up. So he had two categories right there. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on who? On Jesus, who is a champion, who initiates and perfects our faith. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. We accomplish this by keeping our eyes on the Lord who not only birthed faith in us, he's going to accomplish it to the end. And so then we begin to see in our relationships, how do we pinpoint, how do we realize that we need to declutter our relationship? four things that we can identify. The first word is that if any relationship will distract us, distract, the writer of Hebrews says we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Do you notice the relational context of that verse? 
We are surrounded by a, a crowd of witnesses. We're surrounded by a crowd of people, those that went before us. But not only those that went before us, those that surround us today. You see, we're either going to be surrounded by a crowd of witnesses that are going to uh, lead us to faith or they're going to lead us to become everything that God desire us to, desires us to become or we're going to be surrounded by a crowd that are going to distract us from becoming everything that God has called us to be. And before you know it, these distractions begin to clutter our relationship closets. Our relationships that are not centered on, on, on Christ our relationships that are that are that are leading us, and, and, and they're 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 kind of putting a a, a a a cover over over this 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 great relationship that we can have with the Almighty. Because if you think about it, the greatest relationship that we can have is the relationship with God. And so what happens is that we begin to get distracted, and it happens to every one of us. There's a story in the Bible, and it's a story about a woman, and this woman, was a, she was a good woman. And she had a sister, and the sister, was a, she was a good lady. And so Jesus comes into town, and the, and the Bible tells us as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. That's a relational statement. This woman named Martha, she opened up her home. She, she was in relationship with Jesus, and she opened up her home. And not only for him, but for his disciples, they had a small group with the word of God actually in the house. And so they, they're meeting together, and, and it goes on. It says, Martha opened up her home to him, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. This is so important because Mary was in relationship with Jesus. And then it says something about Martha that really helps us to understand the importance of our relationship closets and how they can get cluttered. It says this, it says, but Martha was distracted. Can you say that with me? Martha was distracted by all the preparations that she had to make. Uh, she had to make it. And, and what I see as I, as I read and I'm looking at the, that the original, the, the context, the historical context, what's happening right there? I see Martha opening up her home because she's in relationship with Jesus and she invites him and his disciples. And then she begins to, 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 to be uh, hospitable to him. And, and then there's Mary. And Mary sits at the feet and listens to him intently. And Martha... Because, I want, you, I want you to think with me about this reality, Martha, because possibly she was a people pleaser and wanted to please everybody, got distracted because she had to prepare everything so that every, everybody would be happy, began to miss out on the most important thing that would bring true joy into her own life. What was happening to Martha is instead of joy... And happiness and peace occurring in her spirit and in her life, she began to live in anger and in resentment. And so it, I want you to think about this in our relationships is there times that we get distracted and instead of us having the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding, no matter what circumstance or season of life that we're in, instead of us having the peace of Christ, because we are so distracted, not only by things that we're doing, but by people that we're doing it with, we lose the peace of God and we're filled with resentment and we're filled with malice and with anger. And so it keeps on going. It says Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and she asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. This is all relationship right here. 
Lord, can't you see that I'm working, I'm working my, my, my hiney off. I'm working so hard right now doing all these things to please all these people. And Mary is sitting at your feet doing nothing but listening to you. Now think about the, the premise of that thought. Think about the importance of what's happening here and how many of us are living our lives going to and fro and we're doing all these things. We're going to, to uh, basketball leagues for our kids. We're going to uh, different things at school. We got things going on at work and all of these different things and we're distracted by so many things and it's leading us away from the peace of Christ. And it's not that they're bad relationships. It's that these relationships are not going to promote the best that God has for us. And Jesus looked at her and he said something that should stand out to every one of us. He said her name twice. And every time my mom said my name twice, it was never good. Especially if she went Spanish on me. If she went, James... Jaime, listen. And Jesus looks at Martha, and because it was so important, he said her name twice. He said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and you're upset about many things, but few things are needed. In other words, keep it simple, right? Last week, we, I didn't say it to second service. I said it to first service. I said, we should live our life simplify, simplified. You know, what's the acronym? You know, keep it simple, right? And there's another S. So someone in first service, you know, I said, I'm not going to say what it's, what it's telling us to say in that acronym, you know. And then someone said to me, well, say silly. And I said, no, I don't want to say that. This is my word, my, my acronym. So I said, keep it simple, stud, you know. <laughs> so the reality here is that the, the, the Lord says, you know, you're, you're worried and upset about many things, but, but few things are needed, needed and indeed only one he says, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And, and, and we begin to process the granditude of that statement because as we look at, 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 Martha's, at Martha's relationship closet, it wasn't cluttered with all kinds of distractions and people. It had room for God. And so when she went and put her Identity in the closet and who she was, she saw that there was righteousness and holiness and peace in the garments of Christ. You know, the Bible says to clothe ourselves with Christ, and it will promote peace in our lives. And Martha, Martha, her, her, her relationship closet was filled with all kinds of clutter, with all kinds of relationships. She was trying to please who knows how much more, but at least in this context, she was trying to please the people in that gathering, and she was working so hard, and she was working because Jesus never asked her to work. You notice in the context, Jesus didn't say, Martha, do me a favor, wash the dishes, make us burritos, make tacos, enchiladas, and tostadas. Woo-hoo, right? Didn't say that. But she was trying to please man in her relationships, and it was distracting her from the most important thing in her life. And there's some of us in here, and let me say something. You may get mad at me, and I don't care. Because i got to give an account to God. Some of us get distracted by good things like our families. We get distracted by good things like friends. We get distracted like with good things that are actually cluttering our life. And we cannot see Jesus in our day today. And so you find yourself stressed out. You find yourself with all kinds of pressure. All this pressure that was never given to you to carry. All God wants is for you and him to spend some time together so that he can pour peace and joy and comfort and more than that, relationship. Where you start finding that he's faithful. 
no matter what you're going through. And see, when, you're, when your closet is cluttered with, with relationship mistakes and relationship failures, you begin to look at that. And you can't see God in that closet. You can't see God in that storage shed. You can't see God in that garage. All you can see is the clutter. And you think that your life is a life of chaos because you're distracted with things and more importantly, people that are leading you down a way of God's good purposes. And it takes us to the next step and the next uh, 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 word. See, once you're distracted, then you begin to compromise. You begin to compromise. You see, any relationship which will lead us to compromise the good purposes of God will eventually clutter our lives. You see the progression that, that, that the writer of Hebrews says, you are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, and he's telling you don't get distracted by a cloud of witnesses that are going to take you away from a life of faith. And then he says this, he says, strip off every weight that is slowing you down. And the, 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 the original word right there is, is to lay aside every encumbrance, and encumbrance, encumbrance, that word is a beautiful word. It means it could be something good. It doesn't have to be something bad. But what it does is that it hinders your life. It hinders your relationship with God. It would be like us putting on a parachute. It, we, we put a parachute on our backs and we go through life our every day from the morning to night. And we go with this parachute through life. That parachute will hinder you from becoming your best because you'll never be able to run your best. You'll never be able to walk your fastest. You're never going to be able to accomplish because that parachute is slowing you. It's hindering you. It's an encumbrance. It's a weight that's slowing you down. Now, that parachute is wonderful for strength training. It's wonderful for sprint training. But it's not wonderful to have it as part of your life in your everyday, every minute existence and there are relationships that we have that they, 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 they lead you to compromise the things that God has taken you away from they take you back to a place where your life was hindered where you, your life was slowed down from from the good purposes of God, and it, and, and it begins to, to, to weigh you down. It begins to slow you down. You know, the, 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 the writer of, of, of Psalms, uh, the psalmist in chapter 1, verse 1, he says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or who stand around with sinners, or join in with the mockers. Oh, what joy to, to those who, who do not join themselves, who, who, who do not follow the advice of those that are living a life that's contrary. It's just relational. It's a relational passage. Or that do not stand around with sinners. In other words, you're not going to participate with, with what sinners are going to do. Or, or you don't join in with people that mock, especially the things of God. It says there's joy in your relationships when you surround yourself with people that are going to bring out God's good purposes in your life. Notice it does not say there that he forbids us for being around sinners or for being around people that don't follow the things of God. God never forbids us from being around people who need the love of God in their lives. But what he does teach us is that we should be influencing them with the things of God instead of them influencing us with the things that are contrary to God. Are you with me? You see, I have a dear friend. I have a dear friend that's not a Christian. I, 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 um, I choose to at least do three I purposely choose to have three touching places, meetings with this individual per year. I, I, it, it's, it's a part of what I'm going to do until the Lord says not to. Now, this individual, 
I taught him to do everything contrary to God. And so now I pray that, I can te- that, that the Lord will direct me so that I can bring him to a place where he finds the goodness of God. You with me? But if he begins to, if any individual begins to influence me to go and compromise from the good purposes of God that he's brought me into this life of today, I know that that's going to clutter my life. You see, there's people in your life, beloved, that God's not telling you to come out of your life. He's saying, quit compromising. Quit living a life that doesn't glorify Jesus. You see, because once you start to compromise, look at, look at what uh, uh, the, the, the writer of Colossians says, Paul. He says, watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through the empty traditions of humans and the empty superstitions of spirit beings. But that's not the way of Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in him so you can see and hear him clearly. You don't need a telescope or a microscope or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. When you come to him, when you come to Jesus, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. You see, there are people that will come into your life that will speak intellectual words that mean nothing because the fruit of their life speaks of their life. Are you with me? There are people that will come and they'll, 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 I don't care if you use a microscope, a telescope, and especially a horoscope, the fruit of their life will tell you that they need God. Everything we need is in Jesus. It's Jesus plus nothing. And when you have that relationship with Jesus, everything changes. You see your marriage through the eyes of Jesus. You see, you, I see Shauna through the eyes of Jesus. I see that God created me to love her the way that Christ loved the church. God created Shauna to, to respect me the way that the church submits to, to, to Christ, the way that the church respects Christ. The only thing that I need in my marriage is for Shauna to respect me. The only thing that she absolutely needs is for me to love her with an unfailing love. And anytime we add anything else, it clutters our marriage. Anytime that we add, anytime we begin to compromise our lives, it will clutter Not only your relationship with God, which is the most important thing, but it will clutter every relationship that you have around. And once you compromise, then you go into the next next word. Once you compromise, then you will go into that word of corrupt. See, you get get distracted because you surround yourself with a cloud of witnesses that are leading you away from the purposes of God. And then you you, you begin to compromise. You see the progression? You begin to compromise, and and, and it's like a a weight. It's like that that parachute. But then you come to the place, once you compromise, and, and grab a hold of this, once you compromise, then you will begin to have a corrupt relationship. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says you need to take that sin that is tripping you up, take it out of your life. So I recently, as recent as two weeks ago, went to a barber in in West Tucson. I had given my wife two gifts for Christmas. I thought they were great gifts. I gave her a massage Paid for a massage for, for them to give her a massage. Something I would want. Anyone in here like a massage? Raise your hand. I would want a massage. And then the other thing I gave her was a uh, pedicure and manicure. I bought for a pedicure, you know, for her to get pampered. I don't know if I want a pedicure, uh, manicure, but I might want a pedicure. I wouldn't mind someone washing my feet. I'd... But anyway, so we, we get to the west side of town where, where, where this massage was located. And there was a shopping center, and so there was a barber there. And I said, you know, while you get your massage, I'm going to go get a haircut. 
And I went into the barber, and this, this uh, young lady in her late 20s, uh, early 30s, uh, was able to, to take me on to her chair and to, to give me a haircut. And so as she's cutting my hair, we start to, dis- uh, to have a discussion, and she, uh, she, she let me know that she had become a Christian in the last year. And uh, she began to tell me that she found a wonderful church that she loves. They're on the west side of Tucson. And she said, I'm involved in, small, in a small group. I love my small group. I'm growing. They have so many classes uh, in the church. And I'm, I'm, I'm growing in, in these different areas. I'm, uh, I, was, uh, I wasn't uh, married. And, and uh, my, my boyfriend actually proposed to me. We're both going to church. And so he's my fiance now. And so we were just, just rejoicing in, in, in all that God was doing in her life. Do you see it? Because she had a relationship with Jesus. And so then she, she said something to me. And, and have you ever just listened to someone intently? Anyone here ever listened to someone? Raise your hand. Have you ever listened to someone? Any of you just ever talk to someone? Just You do all the talking? Yeah. She said something to me that just jumped out. She said that there were, uh, there were two years in her young adult life. And it's crazy because she's, she's doing the majority of the talking. I'm just listening and saying, praise God, that's awesome. And she said there were, there were two years in her, her young adult life, she said, that were very dark. She said, I was so lost. So this is her verbiage. She said, I was so lost in those two years. She said, I don't even like thinking about that, that, that part of my life. She said, but God, he saved me. And then she said this. And then she said this. She said, you know, she said, when my coworkers, they asked me to go out with them, like on Fridays or the weekend, they asked me to go out and party with them. I make excuses. I tell them I got to go home with my kids. I got to go home with my fiance. I got to go home. She said, I don't want to go back to that life where I was so lost and it was so dark. And so it just, it just it gripped me. It, it, it stood out to me that, that, that she, she realized that, 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 that those two years, it was a life where she was entangled by sin. It was a life where she was tripped up. You see, there, there, there's a time, there's a time in our life that it goes from compromise to corruption, where our relationships are, are, are going from, from being distracted to where you begin to compromise your integrity, you begin to compromise the goodness of God, and then you begin to get corrupted in a relationship. And, and, and so this young lady, she, she grabbed a hold of that reality that that life was something that actually was destroying her well-being. One of my favorite verses in, in, or passages in Scripture is 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, and, and verse 3 to 5, it says, Peter's talking to, to God's people. He says, you've already put in your time in that God-ignorant way of life, partying night after night, a drunken and uh, profligate life. He said, now it's time to be done with it for good. Of course, your old friends don't understand why you don't join in with the old gang anymore, but you don't have to give an account to them. They're the ones who will be called on the carpet and before God himself. Notice that, that Peter, in, in, this, in this biblical, Peter saying this relationship that you had with the old gang, with your old, with your old friends, and uh, that, that relationship is, is, is different for a better relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. And the way that you cluttered your life with all kinds of different results, he said, why don't you be done with it? Because that life and those relationships are not only, are not only distracting you, 
And not only are they making you compromise, but they're actually corrupting you. And I thought about a cluttered closet. And, and so if I had a closet right here, if someone would, would build me a closet, you know, I would, I would put this. In, and, and, and if you have a cluttered closet and, and there's clothes all over the place, and I don't know if you know it, but when, you know, when my closet gets cluttered, I, I have not only clothes, uh, my shirts, my, my pants, my, my coats, and, and I have shelves in my closet, but I start to put things in there. And so when you begin to corrupt your closet, you, you begin to make bad choices. And, and maybe you put a knife in there because I'm a hunter, and, and so I go hunting. And so well, maybe you put a knife on the shelf, and you put it facing the wrong way, and it's so cluttered that, that you put your hand in that clutter, and it actually hurts you because you cut yourself on it. Or possibly you do even something crazier than that, and, and you put, a, you put your, your, your handgun or, 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 or a rifle, and you, you put it in there with it loaded, and you put a, a, a bullet in the chamber because there's so much clutter, and you're not even thinking straight in all this, uh, in this, in this corrupted closet, and you, 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 you go in there to, to look for some garment, and you accidentally pull the trigger. It does something. It destroys you, and that's exactly how our relationships progress, that they start out with distracting, with distraction, and then they go into compromise. And then before you know it, it's corrupted, and it has the potential, potential to destroy you and your other relationships, especially your relationship with, with God. Which takes us to the last word. And the last word is detract. So you progress, progressively you go from distraction to compromise to being corrupted to where you come off of the tracks and you are detracted. And the, that passage ends like this. It says, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus, who is a champion, who initiates and perfects our faith, the one who will birth the goodness of God in us, and that will fulfill the goodness of God. And if you think about your relationships, beloved, when they get really cluttered, you get off track. Amen? With the person that's the most important person in your life, and that's Jesus Christ. And so let me send you guys with three action steps, okay? Here's the greatest action step for us to close with. Number one, take the best step today by making your relationship with Jesus the most important one in your everyday life and guard it, protect it, grow in it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Second one, take a look at your relational closet or your relationship closet and take a necessary step in decluttering the ones which are distracting or compromising or corrupting and detracting God's good purposes for your life. And then the third one is take a great next step to embrace God-directed relationships. A small group is a great start. Go back to Martha you can go back everywhere in the Bible and it shows us how important it is for us to spend time with God and God's people. Martha invited Jesus into her home for fellowship and love. So find a great small group where you'll find encouragement, accountability, and strength from God and his people. I think those steps will help us. Amen? And then I invite all of you. I'm going to pray this prayer. It's in your, it's in your um, outline. I'd love for you to pray this with me. And we'll go to the Lord with this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for showing me that you're a relational God. You desire relationship over religion. I especially thank you for giving us a blueprint for healthy relationships. 
I choose to embrace the most important relationship, which is one with you through Jesus Christ. I also ask for you to give me discernment to remove any relationship which is cluttering your good purposes for me. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And everyone said, amen and amen. Let's all stand up and worship our Lord. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.